Leadership Institute podcast. My name is Brian Malinsky, Digital Marketing Specialist, and today I'm having a conversation with our Director of Content and Curriculum, Carol Malinsky. Good, or- good afternoon, Carol. Good afternoon, Brian. It's great to see you. It's always wonderful to come by and talk leadership with you. Yes. And so before we start, I just wanted to acknowledge that we have a milestone that we want to that we want to talk about and that's the fact that we are over 10,000 downloads on this podcast channel. That is a seriously cool <laughs> achievement. That that is it amazing. Sure is. And it's because of our listeners continuing to show more and more interest in what we are doing. Um, our goal with this podcast has always been um, to positively impact your life through talking servant leadership and we're just so thankful that we're getting such a great reception back from that yeah it's it's just amazing it's really unbelievable i mean we live in awe every day when we see some of the response that we're getting from folks exactly Um, and you know started with a a simple idea that's a huge (laughs) idea yeah and uh we're just very very grateful Definitely. Yeah, we really, really are. So a while back, you and I had a great conversation where we explored what makes a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been like one of the most popular of the, all the episodes yeah. in, our, in our podcast channel. And so we wanted to revisit that because it has since then been a question that we have been asking um, every guest that sits down across from us. We want to get their take on what makes a good leader, in their opinion. And a few weeks ago, we had we were able to speak with one particular person, Peter Malinge, um, a passionate servant leader who has dedicated himself to bringing servant leadership to his country of Kenya. Peter left us with some insightful questions but, uh, about the nature of leadership that we haven't really dug into before. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to take this time to go ahead and do just that. Mm. Um, so let's get started by asking this first question. And it's a big one. It's an important one. Why did you, Carol, <laughs> become a leader? Oh, that, that is a good question. And I guess, you know, in, in really thinking about that, mulling it over in my mind, I have to go back to my upbringing because I think first and foremost um, that made, as it does for all of us, made a lasting impression certainly and um, I think formed the foundation of my life. I grew up in a situation where I had a father who was very ill and he um, stayed home, went out on disability and my mom went to work. Now, that may sound really normal to you, Brian, since you've always had a working mom. <laughs> but um, back in the 50s, which is when I was little, mm-hmm. that was very unusual. Mm-hmm. And so she went out and joined the workforce and basically brought home the bacon for the family. And in addition, because of his illness, did a lot of other things where as kids we really got the impression more that that she held this position of leadership um 
although we certainly, you know, still answered to dad, <laughs> that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, we did recognize, I think, the fact that she stepped up mm-hmm. and did what she had to do in order to keep her family, um, you know, healthy and, and together. Um, then I think uh, I always had a desire to help people to serve people. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was affected very deeply by people who, um, you know, were, were suffering. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's also a part of it. And I still, I think, um, see a need and want to fill it in some way. Um, however big or small that may be, that's just part of my nature. Mm-hmm. And then I think as I went into the working world, um, just that idea of wanting to um, further my job or achieve other things in my job. Mm-hmm. I certainly felt differently about my work at you know, 25 than I do today at <laughs> whatever, how many years I am today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't disclose that information. Yeah. But um, I think that's where it started. Okay. Now, outside of your mom and the, the, what was going on in your home life, do you have any kind of iconic figures of, of service back then when you were so young that you would basically look up to? When you thought, I, I just have this desire to serve, what would you think would be you know, the jobs at the time that you, you kind of connected that with? Um, from a very, initially, there are really two roles I saw for myself that I didn't really end up fulfilling. One was to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And I wanted very much to be a nurse. I thought that was definitely the way to go. And then when I was 16, I became, um, I don't know if they still have them or not, but we called them back then candy stripers. Okay. And they were young people who could volunteer at the local hospital. And they wore cute little outfits that were red and white striped, so they were candy stripers. Mm. And they did all kinds of things in the hospital. Well, (laughs) at one point I was assigned the job of going down to the central supply and picking up, um, I don't know what they called them, but it was the pack for people who passed away. Oh. So after that a few times, I said, you know, maybe this isn't really for me. There might, <laughs> a little too morbid there for you. There might be something <laughs> a little, a little lighter that I might want to ah, do. Yeah. And so after that, I think my focus became um, to become a teacher. Okay. And uh, to work in the education field, and that's really that guided my life all the way through college. Mm, interesting. Again, a leadership role, but you know, one with definite purpose. Yeah. Um, And as circumstances would have it, that did not end up being my career path. Um, I got into materials management, or should I say fell into materials management. Mm -hmm. Um, But interestingly enough, what I'm doing today as director of content and curriculum really brings me back to that teaching role. Oh, definitely. And so I've I've sort of come full circle, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to think about that. You know that I've been mm-hmm. given that opportunity um, 
at this point in my career is, uh, is, is really a wonderful thing, something I'm very grateful for. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's an amazing uh, gift to be bestowed, the fact that all the things that you just described growing up and, and during your upbringing is kind of all culminating at this one final career um, that that you're able to you know reach out and influence people, uh, teach people, um, uh, serve in your own way. That's amazing. That's super amazing. So, what are other motivators, in your opinion, that could be guiding? you know, leaders, future leaders to want to become leaders. Right. Well, that, you know, I think, you know, open up our eyes here. Everywhere we look, mm -hmm. there's this issue of power and, mm -hmm. and who's going to use their power in what ways and people trying to have power over other people. Um, I mean, it's as, as common as breathing in and breathing out. The difference is that that power can be used, as we know, either positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of what we see around us is the negative stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, not necessarily uh, the positive. And of course, some people look at um, leadership and say, hmm, that's where I'm going to get my financial gain is through growing, you know, climbing that corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. um, Art Barter talks about his dream when he was younger was to have a yacht parked on, you know, at New in Newport Beach, mm -hmm. and you know, have a house that opened back on, you know, he could look out his window and see his yacht sitting there, and yeah. that was his goal when he started. That was his idea of success, right? Mm -hmm. Right, and I think you know, for most people in our culture. Um, that is what leadership is kind of about is, mm -hmm. you know, how much can I gain materially? Um, and then of course there's the other aspect, which is some people want to lead because they don't want to follow, mm -hmm. you know, they're just people that have a really hard time following others. Um, which is kind of crazy because really good leaders understand that sometimes they have to follow and yeah. the best thing for them to do is follow yeah um but i think you know that that's kind of another level of self-awareness that you know that it's valuable to follow sometimes yeah definitely definitely i think that uh, in a way um all of these that you've brought up are kind of a byproduct of how individualistic our culture is yeah. too right um, we don't really embrace the idea of being a part of a community um, all the time through all the marketing and stuff is very uh, me centric or mm -hmm. very individual. Mm -hmm. um, that could be a problem <laughs> <laughs> when and especially with your last point about the fact that, you know, when we look at leaders, we don't see them needing to follow anybody. They, we just see a trail of people behind them, right? You know, right. Fo following right. them, and and I know that you know me growing up, that was always a very intimidating thing. When I would think of myself as possibly being a leader one day, I would always kind of shy away because a leader in my mind would would almost looked infallible. Mm. That you would always need to have all the answers at all the oh, all, all those okay. times, and I didn't want to bear that burden yeah. you know it looked yeah. like a burden um needing to be 
you know, so dialed in and, and uh, you know, um, unable to make any kind of mistake or be unsure about anything, um, which I think, too, is a major fallacy. You know, <laughs> leaders Absolutely. need to be able to not only serve others, but can be humble enough to go ahead and, you know, say, hey, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that question or, you know, uh, I don't really know the trajectory right now and we need to go and, you know, help each other find that or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but I did have another question. So what made you want to become a leader? You know, can you get, can you, do you have this time, in your, <laughs> you know, this, this big point on, you know, on your linear timeline um, of, of when you decided or made that cognitive decision to, to become that leader? You know, I would love to tell you that there was a big gong that went off and a big choir came out and sang, you know, the Hallelujah Chorus. Oh. But, oh darn, I know. Oh darn. <laughs> that doesn't happen to everybody? No. Oh. No, in fact, it's it's interesting because I don't think that I ever consciously said, I want to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I think back to my first, one of my first experiences with student teaching, and I walked into the room, fifth graders walked into the room, I, you know, all bright and shiny, and I said to the teacher, here I am, and she said, hi, how are you, good to see you, class, this is Miss Egan, which was my maiden name, this is Miss Egan, do whatever she says. She turned to me and said, "Okay, great. Well, I'll be in the teachers' lounge. Have a good, have oh a good day." Gosh. And she walked out the door. Okay. Well, I had to be a leader pretty darn quick. <laughs> <laughs> and they were not only, as you can imagine, from the way this woman handled this, I was left with, you know, thirty of the most unruly young people because her method of leading was how high can I, how how loud can I yell oh, over mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. So that was her idea of leadership. Mm-hmm. So I had to be that leader right then and there. Um, and fortunately, <laughs> thank God, I was able to do that for the six months that I was their teacher. Because she never came back in to help me in any way, shape, or form. Oh, my goodness. So, so you know, that was one way where I just sort of fell into leadership. Yes. Um, I think what happens is, in, in a case like mine, and I don't mean this to sound egotistical, but when you work with people and you show them things like, I'm going to do what I told you I would do, uh-huh. right? I'm going to communicate with you so you're aware of what's going on in a particular project. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. When the opportunities for leadership arise, you're a lot of times given those opportunities Mm -hmm. because you've built this foundation of trust with people. You've shown them that you can handle it. Mm -hmm. But I I don't think I ever said... Oh, I want to be a leader. I just can't wait to be a leader. Yeah. But yet, I displayed qualities 
that would end up putting me in those kinds of positions. That's very interesting, and I think that there's just, I mean, you're, you're talking about probably an overwhelming majority of the people that go and, and go through their professional careers, right? I mean, they're good at their job. We see it all the time. They end up getting uh, like good enough where they end up having to start having a few people underneath them that right. they're managing. Right. You know, if you're an engineer, you, you probably never had the, the motivation to be a you know, leader uh, at a podium and, you know, to, you know, to, you know, in, informing and instructing and inspiring, you know, others. You're an engineer. You want to create. That's, you know, you're, you're a creator. You're a creative, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you have all these people that you need to show how to do what you were right. doing because, right. you know, the, the, the job requires it volume and whatnot. Right. Um, so I think you're that that's that's so amazing. It's very interesting how you explained all of that. That you know you have these different points in your career that leadership roles kind of just got dropped mm-hmm. on you, mm-hmm. and you have to just you know learn right. right. It's just a new set right. of skills, um, adding to your arsenal and repertoire of things yeah. that you can do. And even, you know, the, the person that um, is the individual contributor, as we know, you know, we like to teach in servant leadership training that everyone is a leader somewhere. Exactly. And so for that engineer who's doing his thing and creating, um, there are ways that he influences yes. the other folks that he works with, Yes. he or she, um, and that's really important. And they're really those leadership qualities can still be there in um, him or her. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah. So uh, mine was sort of something that I fell into in a way. Um, as time went on, especially after I found servant leadership and, you know, was trained in it and started dealing with it, working with it, with other people on a daily basis, I felt I could be a, um, a positive influence on people. And now I want to influence other people to be able to grow their leadership mm-hmm. and particularly uh, find meaning in what they do. One of the things that I guess really was life-changing for me is I got this idea it's fixation almost um, when I was working in the manufacturing world that you know people do all kinds of jobs in manufacturing and some of them are very repetitive and I know for myself doing even the some of the clerical work that I've done in my career very not very interesting yes Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started getting just feeling, having this feeling that it's really important for people to understand that what they do mm-hmm. has meaning and purpose and that it touches more than just their immediate area. Yes. That radio that's built, for example, leaves Daytron World Communications in Vista, California, and it goes out into the world. Mm-hmm. And people use it. And people use them for many, many, many years. 
Mm-hmm. So there are all these stories intertwined in that. Yeah. So that person that has the electric screwdriver in her hand, and she's, you know, all day long, she's yeah. putting parts together. It's important for her to understand how important that job is. Yeah. And so nowadays, that's really what I'm trying to do is continue this message of servant leadership, which says what you do makes an impact in the world and you have the choice to make it a positive impact. Yeah. So that you can look back on your life and go, wow, what I did was important. People people may not think that Uh because I didn't run some multi-million dollar company or invent, you know, the iPhone. Yeah, you weren't on a cover of a magazine. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know. Right. Yeah. Um, But what I did put something good out into the world. Mm -hmm. And it saved lives. Yeah. And it made an impact on people. Mm -hmm. That's really, you know, what it's about for me today. Mm -hmm. Because... um, I may not have official people reporting to me any longer, but this is the way I can increase my influence. Yes. By helping people to understand that what they do is important. Yeah, definitely. And and I think with you, I mean, director of content and curriculum, a lot of the stuff that, and we've referenced this on this podcast, a lot of the things that, that um, you listeners, you read on our website, um, on our blog, um, are all come from Carol and and these stories that you look at and these um, you know the the stories that she not only takes from her own life but the lives of the of the people that she works with and around um, are meant to inspire and I think they're inspiring a lot of people to look at what they're currently doing throughout their day and 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 broadening their their scope. Yeah. And seeing, okay, what is what is it? Uh, how is this actually impacting others? Which is incredible. Well, I share that with you, not because because not about me. I know I was giving you the pat on the back, <laughs> <laughs> but I share that with you because I do think a lot of people feel that their work isn't that important. Well, yeah, and we have disengaged employees all over the place, mm-hmm. and so. We just need to, I think, you know, keep keep hitting that that mantra of, you know, you have your work has meaning and purpose. Exactly. And that as a servant leader, you can find out how to give to people and help people without being an official mm-hmm. leader. Definitely. And so, so as we're talking about being a person of influence, we here at the Institute put, put that identity of people who in, can influence others, which is everyone, and we, we make that equal being a leader. So my question is, can anyone, in, in, can anyone be a leader? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, since you didn't put any qualification on that whatsoever, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get nitpicky and say, <laughs> yes, anyone can be a leader. <laughs> they may not do it real well, yeah. but they can be a leader. So they have the they, potential to. Yes, exactly. Okay. As far as being, and this is key, so listen up. <laughs> as far as being a leader people want to follow, that's a different story. Some people are in love with the idea of being a leader and having that kind of control. Mm-hmm. Having a number of people at your beck and call it can be t- quite uh, intoxicating for people. But when the tough times come, when you need people to go the extra mile, when you are a leader that people want to follow, they will do anything for you. And if you don't want it to be about you, if you're a leader that people want to follow, you have built that foundation that people understand they're fulfilling the mission of the company. So it isn't about you. It's about the mission. Mm-hmm. And they will respond, and they will respond in awesome ways. I think for most people... Um, you know, having a leader that they really respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's the mission, and yes, they all feel a part of that in a servant-led organization. But there's no denying that when you have a good relationship with your leader, when you trust your leader, when your leader trusts you, you that's when you'll walk over the hot coals for people. Mm-hmm. And when you're a leader that doesn't treat people well and leads through fear and intimidation... Mm-hmm. People are going to punch the old time clock, and that's all they're going to do. Yeah. And then in five minutes after the time clock punch, the parking lot's empty. Mm-hmm. Because nobody, nobody will give the extra mile. They're not passionate. When they don't feel people care about them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so yes, anybody can be a leader, but there's all different kinds of leaders, as we both know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And so, Carol, what makes a good leader? <laughs> so we hover back around to that that, ori- yeah. that initial question that we had um, in that prior episode. Um, and we've been asking so many different people. So I just want to know, going forward, and I think you asked me that question last time, so I want to extend it back over to you. What do you think makes a good leader? Well, I think a heart for people. Um, a genuine desire to see people do well and thrive. And I know that sounds kind of like a TV commercial, but it's really true. Um, People who, leaders who want to help people are very special Um, and kind of few and far between. And then I think the other thing is humility. Humility. Good leaders are really leading to accomplish the organization's mission and purpose, and they don't need to be on the front page, and they don't need to win all the time. Mm -hmm. They want to give people hope. You know, we've started talking about this lately, hope in the workplace. Yeah. People need hope, and they need opportunity. And without those things, without hope, without opportunity, you know, I mean, we might as well pack it up and, you know, 
exactly. What are we doing this for? Yeah, exactly. 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 So those are such great points. Having the humility to put people first, for one, and then to to also have the desire to help others excel in their own respective ways are traits that are so, so important in a good leader. So as we wrap up our talk on the fundamentals of leadership, hmm. are there any final thoughts that you want to leave people with? Well, I guess for those folks that aren't really familiar with servant leadership, I would say, you know, you've had a little exposure if you've looked at our website at all. Um, Maybe you've read a couple of books. I would urge you to continue on that journey Mm -hmm. because you will not only find a different way to lead you'll find a different way to think and to look at the world because it really is much bigger than you know five points for how to get your people to achieve more yeah although you may see me right that one day but (laughs) but there is so much more involved in it and if if we could all you know because it's it's definitely a you know work in progress for everybody but if we could all think about that concept of adding value in everything we do our world would be drastically different and um, if we all started thinking in those terms we'd see great just great fantastic change in our world yeah, I agree with you. And I, I have really great do. hopes for the future because I see more and more young people who are really into this, um, mm. this idea of influencing positively and um, and giving back. Yeah, working yeah. with a purpose. Yeah, right, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, that's very, very important and, and so great. Carol, I really loved that talk. Um, and thanks so much for sharing time with me today to talk leadership. My pleasure. I always love when we ha- we're able to sit down and talk. So, And thanks to all of you who are listening, who continue to show interest in bettering yourself through the practice of servant leadership. We love that. Um, for now... It's the Servant Leadership Institute podcast signing off. Thank you for allowing us to add value to your day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And for more information on the Servant Leadership Institute, visit us on our website. That's www.servantleadershipinstitute.com. And registration is now open for our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference titled Shift into Drive. On stage, we have the pleasure of having presentations by our founder, Art Barter, as well as Mark Miller, VP of Training and Development for Chick-fil-A. Returning from last year, we have Vicki Clark and also Ken Blanchard, with more speakers to be announced soon. The conference will be held at the Marriott Marquis in San Diego, California, February 19th and 20th, with a complimentary networking event February 18th. And you can also subscribe now to receive our weekly tips by going onto our website. These are great short tips that are intended to challenge and motivate you while you are going through your servant leadership journey. And finally, we would love you to grab a copy of our latest publication, The Servant Leadership Journal, written by SLI founder and CEO Art Barter. This is an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization, available now on our website and on Amazon.com.
Thank you for listening and allowing us to add value to your day.